What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Digi Tavern. It's another episode of Juwani Plays. This week, we're talking Assassin's Creed. Let's roll the intro. Let's get into the podcast. I'm going to set the mood here with some Assassin's Creed music. So heads up, none of this music is going to be mine. Let's roll that intro. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get right into it. So last week, Ubisoft unveiled their next installment for the Assassin's Creed franchise, Valhalla. Now, Assassin's Creed is one of my favorite games of all time. I have fallen off a little bit with it because the storyline did change a tremendous amount and it moved to a different direction that I didn't really agree with. But that doesn't take away from the fact that this is one of my favorite games because it takes the character or the players and drops them into historical periods of time that are so fascinating and allows you to adventure a world never really experienced like this before literally we get to pop ourselves into something called an animus and just jump into a world far far away from ours now And it's one of the reasons why I love this game so much. Assassin's Creed does a really good job of making history and historical fiction a thing. But it brings it to life with action, story, great characters, and gameplay. So for those of you who don't know, and maybe it's been a long time since you've played Assassin's Creed, let's do a quick recap of the game so far. Its original game director and designer was Jade Raymond. Now, she is one of our favorite game developer or game directors here at the Digi Tavern. Fredo and I have talked about her plenty of times. She is above and beyond one of the best game directors I know about because she did so much with Assassin's Creed and the original storyline she had was amazing. She literally took us, the player, put us into the shoes of a protagonist named Desmond Miles who was being tested on by a by a super corporation known as Abstergo Industries to participate in a program called the Animus Project to relive history and time through his DNA and through his ancestors to find something known as a POE or a piece of Eden a magical and powerful holy relic that has been lost to time. Now that combined with a shadow war between assassins and Templars and the mysteries of life known as those who came before, this game was amazing. This game was everything that you could possibly think of when it came to history, historical fiction, and possibly ancient astronaut theorists. Yeah, I said it. It's a thing. From the stories of Desmond Miles, we have traversed countless of time periods from the crusades to the renaissance period to colonial america to victorian england ancient greece ancient egypt and now the medieval times but not only has it taken us to several timelines but it's introduced us to some amazing characters And we've seen the story develop. 
The story has always been about the assassins and the Templars, about who was really better, that all things are permitted and nothing is true. That the Templars only seek to control the people, whereas the assassins believe that all people should be free, free-minded and free-willed. And that no one person, not king, queen, or country, should control the masses. And it's a really interesting story that kind of came out. And it's a great premise. And and this game has resonated with so many people. Because with the way things can be sometimes, people can often feel that they're being monitored or watched or deceived. And this is why Assassin's Creed has always been one of my favorite games. However, as we get into Valhalla, we begin to enter a new era. At least in the franchise, that is. The synopsis for Valhalla is, Driven from Norway by endless wars and dwindling resources in the 9th century, players will lead Eivor, the protagonist, will lead Eivor's clan of Norsemen across the icy North Sea to the rich lands of England's broken kingdoms. Players must carve out a new future in their clan, reliving the ruthless fighting style of Viking warriors with revamped combat systems that includes the ability to dual-wield weapons against a greater variety of enemies than ever before. To secure resources, players can lead raids to select locations, using their longships to earn much-needed riches and resources. As the Vikings begin to settle in their new home, they encounter resistance from the Saxons, including King Alfred of Wessex, who denounces them as heathens, who denounces them as heathens and looks to the sole ruler of the civilized England. Against all odds, Eivor must do what is necessary to keep Valhalla within reach. So this is really interesting because when we watch the cinematic trailer, we notice a couple things. We see the longships, the longboats, the ceremonies before they begin their explorations and conquest. We see a massive battle on the shores of a kingdom or a castle, and then ultimately the assassination of one of the major figureheads that opposes the Vikings. This is really interesting because we now know the timeline of which this game takes place. And if your history is a little rusty and maybe you didn't study Viking culture or history back when you were in school, let's touch on that a little bit. So this game takes place in the era of the 9th century. In the 9th century of Scandinavia, the people known as Vikings were constantly at war with each other, and they typically invaded one another. It was kind of a sign of who was better, if you will. And for the most part, many Vikings traveled east, almost as far as Russia, to gather resources and whatever they needed to make ends meet, especially with the cold, brutal winters. However, it took people and characters like Ragnar, 
one of the most renowned Vikings in history. To kind of put aside his differences with some of his fellow Thanes and explain that there could be potential to sail west. That there could be land, riches, wealth, power in the west. For Ragnar, however, there was one more thing that he sought. Fame. He wanted to make an impression on history. And this was one of the surging reasons why he sailed west. Not only were the Vikings desperate to find new means of resources, but they were desperate to extend their reach as well. And that is where Valhalla takes place. The story of Valhalla begins with the protagonist, Ivor. Now, very interesting enough, Ivor, according to the developers of the game, can be both male or female. And according to mythology, the name Ivor is a female given name and it's derived from its cultural background. So it works as both a male and female name. Which is really cool because when the game releases, we get to have that choice. Now, the biography of Ivor is, he is a clan of the Norsemen that fled from Norway to escape the endless war and dwindling resources. He arrived on the southern shores of Great Britain, establishing a new settlement. At some point, Ivor encountered a group which served as one of the predecessors of the Assassin's Brotherhood and was given access to the Hidden Blade. So we now know who our protagonist is and what he means and what he stands for. Survival. Survival is what he is about. Survival for his people, survival for his culture, survival for his beliefs. And if Valhalla is truly the end goal for him, then as, a, then as all Vikings must do, they must take it and not wait for it to find them. Mm. Now this is very interesting because in the past Assassin's Creed installments, religion is a big deal. It plays a big factor in developing and building the world around it. However, the protagonists never really have a direct affiliation with religion itself. For example, Ezio Alditori da Firenze was born in the Renaissance period where Catholicism was everywhere and the church had major influence over everything. The papal states were almost rivaled any major kingdom. But Ezio doesn't really have any kind of affiliation with religion. He doesn't really have anything to do with Christianity or Catholicism. It's there, but he's not a part of it. His only affiliation is to his brotherhood and to his family and to himself. So it's interesting to see that Ivor could definitely have major ties to his own religious beliefs. He would be the first one. 
Because we have played plenty of timelines where religion is extremely important. In Odyssey, whether you play as a male or female, you have the RPG element to either favor the gods or to not favor the gods. It's kind of how you choose to play the game. And it's no different with Origins or Unity, Syndicate if you will. So much influence comes down from the church that the assassins tend to not favor. Because in the assassin's mind, that is what the Templars have fallen off. They gave themselves to an organization like the church and believed that they no longer serve the greater good of people, but instead they serve the greater good of organizations, of conglomerates, of superpowers that told other people what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. Whereas the, where the assassins are the complete opposite. They believe people deserve the freedom of choice, to be what they want, to do what they want. But the Templars will always say that that invokes anarchy. And anarchy is the true enemy of mankind. And that is one of the most interesting dynamics the game has to offer. The fighting conflict between assassins and Templars. As we play the game in the past, we do find out that at one point, the two were one. But because of creative differences on how to lead the masses, they broke apart. They became two separate factions that felt that the other was misguided and didn't truly understand what the world needed or what the people needed. And that is where we kind of come in with the assassins and Templars. And this is why this game is so spectacular or was really spectacular when it first came out. It was based off a myth and legend known as the Hashashin during the Crusades. And to know about them is to know a little bit about the Crusade. So, during the time period of the Third Crusade, between Salahaddin and Richard the Lionheart, there is a legend and a rumor, folklore if you will, that says that when Salahaddin had finally pushed away the Christians from the Holy Land and thought on his victory, he found a letter. A note directed to him and it read you remain in power because we believe in your cause you remain in power because we make it so now the legend says that this letter to Salahaddin was actually from the Hashashins or the assassins and this is where assassins Creed kind of makes its money or makes its game based off those little myths and legends and as you'll see in every game you play this is a creative director's interpretation of history and though none of it is inaccurate to what actually happened it could have and that's the kind of fun part about assassin's creed because it's teaching you history but it's also kind of leaving a little little room for interpretation of how it could have happened. And that is why AC is always going to be one of those special games for me. 
It's always going to be a game that I look back on and remember how I felt when I played it. Because truth be told, when I first started playing video games, I started playing games like Assassin's Creed and Oblivion. These two games really set me down the path that I am on today, which is the feeling of playing a game a certain way, feeling of immersing myself into a character's shoes and really taking on that character for myself. Playing the game how I feel that player would move and address things has really showed me a new way of playing games in general. Assassin's Creed 2 was one of those major titles for me because I played it anywhere from four to six times over and over again because each time I played the game, I learned a little bit more about the character. I learned a little bit more about the world. And that was one of the biggest things for me. To really to see how Ezio Altidori da Firenze evolved from this young man who had the world on a string, literally, and lost it all in a blink of an eye. To see him go through the stages of grief and just the overall denial that these things could not have happened to him, that these things should not have happened to him. To see him grow, not only as a as a character, but as a man, things really change. And it really changed how I perceive a game or play a game. And that's the standard. And that is why Assassin's Creed means so much. Because they show us that you can have strife and heartache and difficulties and no matter what so long as you have a purpose and it's not vengeance and it's not greed but it's the overall want and care to unite people for a common cause to move forward in the bettering of yourself and the people around you you can drive yourself to get somewhere and to be someone and that's kind of like that underlying message that we learned from Assassin's Creed and from the story of Ezio we see this character go through so much love loss heartache almost every bad thing that you can think of and only when he's too old to enjoy it he realizes that there was a time in his life where he had love, but didn't see it. He had time, but didn't know it. And he had purpose, but didn't show it. It's such a massive story beyond assassins and Templars and killing one and then killing another. It's so much more than that. And this game has so much to live up to and though i haven't played syndicate odyssey or origins yet i'm working on it valhalla has the potential to be something extremely big because i can see that in this game again it was one of the reasons why i liked assassin's creed 3 so much because C connor kenway or raduna hagedon has a tribute to both his people and the new world that's changing around him. 
the world is moving faster than the Mohawk people can count. And Connor is there to usher them into that new realm safely and at their pace and at their leisure. But he has a choice to be made. His mother, an assassin. His father, a Templar. Where's the median? And for Connor, it's his people. It's who he is and who he can be. And those are the stories that we find in Assassin's Creed that are the underlying message of each and every game. And that is why these games are so important. And that is why Valhalla, again, has such potential. Because if Eivor is doing what he can for his people, for his culture, for his identity, for his religion, for his beliefs, in the name of the Assassins, then we have a new story. And we have a potentially great story here. Now, with today being Monday, as I'm recording this on a Monday, there's been a lot of talk over the weekend since its unveil that it's going to have to play on the back of games like God of War. And this is wrong because God of War is its own game. Kratos, in my mind, has always been a very spoiled man, child, man child, who believes himself to be better than the gods themselves. And if you've ever studied, if you've ever studied Roman or Greek literature, we learn that in those stories, in those books, in those tellings, there's one commonality, one commonality of them all, and that is people. The people who those stories are about are trying to be on the level of the gods because their egos are that big. But they're that big because the gods bestow that onto them through their actions and deeds. The gods themselves act extremely high and mighty. The people themselves feel that they can be the same way. And they strive to be on Mount Olympus. And Kratos is no different. He is a, a soldier who made a mistake and gave everything he had for just one more fight and was punished for it for his entire life and after that he felt slighted and decided to kill all the gods that stood in his way that took everything from him but in truth he did it to himself the game of the gods is one you don't play and that's why god of war is this very different game though yes it's taking place with the mythology or, or of norse mytho norse mythology it's a different game it's a different telling of a story than Assassin's Creed. Eivor is going to be a, a man looking to bring a sense of pride and belonging to him, his people, and if he, is an, if he is truly an assassin, the assassins. But as far as where that story can go, it could go anywhere. Because if we've learned anything in the past is that Assassin's Creed games can surprise you you can easily turn into a Templar because the guidelines and the ideals intertwine with each other very, very 
uh, they intertwine with each other very closely. And sometimes it's hard to see black and white. Sometimes things just look gray. So again, I would recommend checking out this trailer. And I, like I said, I'll leave a link in the description to go find the trailer. Uh, it's definitely worth, worth watching. And if you have 20 minutes and if you really, truly care, you can totally watch the commentary version of the theatrical trailer. Uh, the, both the game developers and writers for the game are being interviewed, but are also explaining a little details of the world and where it's set. My biggest recommendation is to go and watch Vikings on AMC or if you can get it off of Amazon or something because that one is really a, a cool depiction of what was happening during that time an inner conflict between Thanes and countries between the Scandinavian countries drove them to almost have nothing and out of desperation they listen to Ragnar and decide to go west on a women of prayer and that's where Valhalla takes place so it's definitely worth looking into and I know for me I need to catch up on some of these Assassin's Creed games so re just recently this past weekend uh, Ubisoft had a major sell on Steam so I went ahead and bought the three games that I've never played on PC so I'm looking to possibly potentially stream those uh, those games typically are games I like to play by myself because I like to have peace of mind of what I'm doing uh, but I haven't decided yet uh, now I did try my hand on Odyssey oh man that game looks beautiful and I can't wait to see what origins look like um, other than that uh, there's so much more that I didn't get into today and I'm not gonna lie there's just a ton of information in my head about Assassin's Creed I know I have talked about things like Elder Scrolls or World of Warcraft in the path and the past but my first love for a video game on this level was in fact Assassin's Creed I have comic books I have encyclopedias I have novels uh, just a tremendous amount of a treasure trove of information on this game because it means so much to me or because it meant so much to me and this episode was extremely difficult to record because I honestly didn't know where to go with it and it's crazy to say that because I know what I wanted to talk about today or with this podcast but I kept getting distracted because I wanted to veer off to this or to that and I wanted to make this about Valhalla I wanted to make this about Eivor, and I wanted to make this about the beauty that is Assassin's Creed. And I hope that I've done that today, because I believe this game is going to put AC back on a map and put them on a good direction. And I know the director and developers of these games, and I know their history, and they have kind of let me down in the past. So I'm, again, reserving judgment now. Other than that... Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, and if I can get a clearer head on my shoulders, I'll do some more Assassin's Creed, and 
maybe I'll break it down from the beginning. Go from Assassin's Creed 1 to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But I'll finish those games first. Until then, thank you guys for tuning in. This has been Jawani Plays. And don't forget Thursdays. And sometimes we push it back to Friday for the DigiTavern podcast. Uh, as always, you can find me at JWAN14 on Twitter, or you can find us on our main pod, uh, Twitter, which is the DigiTavern podcast. Other than that, guys, please like, subscribe, leave a comment wherever you're listening to this, and tune in next time here in the DigiTavern. Tavern.